Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs. We sit down with some of the smartest women in the business and talk about markets, trends, life in the biz. I'm Cynthia Murphy here with my colleague, Laura Krieger. Hello. And today we are talking about commodities. I'm sure you've all been watching the action in oil and gold and commodities in general lately. It's an interesting time for commodities, and we're going to talk about all of that today. Joining us is none other than Jody Gunsberg, Chief Investment Strategist at Greystone Consulting, a business of Morgan Stanley. Jody also worked at S&P Dow Jones Indices for many years prior to that as Head of Commodities. Jody, we're so excited to have you join us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's get this started. Uh, there is so much happening all at once in commodities markets right now. From your perch, from your perspective, um, what's standing out to you the most? What's surprising to you in all the action? For me, the most eye-popping data point was the negative oil price. I knew it was a possibility, but I still couldn't believe it as I watched my screen last week. Uh, there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal called Behind Oil Price Gyrations, A Frantic Search for Storage. And it just shows how tankers are floating around everywhere. So to me, I think that this is standing out the most. So do you believe, Jody, that there's a disconnect right now in the commodities markets between uh, what investors expect and the reality of how things work? For example, oil, as you mentioned, the expectation is that prices will go up from here, as indicated by futures prices. But the reality is, is that we're completely running out of storage, right? And demand is pretty dried up. So do you think there's a disconnect in there? Um, I don't know if the disconnect is widening, but I think it's coming to the surface as more inexperienced investors are trying to get in at a good price. You know, besides the negative oil and the storage capacity, I think the lack of knowledge and education about the fundamentals of the relationship between oil prices and futures contracts is surprising, unfortunately. The theory of storage describes the futures price as a function of the spot price and the storage cost versus the convenience yield of holding the physical commodity. And most investors and even many investment professionals who don't spend their career on commodities miss this relationship and the true sources of return in commodities. Um, the risk premium arguably is the most important source of return and is often ignored, as is the net hedging pressure when understanding the convergence of the futures and spot price at expiration. So it's not like you can just look at a contract expiring a month out and declare the price of it will be the price of the spot at expiration. Right, right. So how do you begin to untangle this mess of misconceptions for uh, investors who might be looking at, you know, for example, what's going on in the oil markets and thinking that this is a profit opportunity that they can capitalize on? Um, you know, where, where do we even begin to sort of figure out how to clarify this for folks? Because I don't know about you, I'm getting questions all the time about, you know, how do I invest in spot oil, right? How do I, you know, when is, when is the June contract going to go negative? Like just <laughs> these, these basic sort of mis misconceptions and uh, misunderstandings. Um, what are your thoughts on this? 
It, it all goes back to education and understanding why the futures markets in oil and commodities even exist in the first place as an insurance mechanism for producers to protect against oil price drops and commercial consumers to protect against oil price rises. Um, it's this insurance that underpins the market that is at the heart of the fundamentals and the source of return. And it drives the relationships, not just between the spot prices and the futures prices, but it incorporates, again, things like storage costs, convenience yield, interest costs, and all of these sources are important to take into consideration to understand better about what's happening in the futures market, which is important because that's the most easily way to directly access the commodities. Uh, I think, like I heard you say, you can't just go buy a physical barrel of oil. So if you can't do that, then what do you do? Well, you can go to the futures or you can go to the equities, but again, the futures is more direct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess so. My question to you, Jody, is: is do you think that uh, you know maybe the investment case for commodities is changing now? Like, is it evolving? Are commodities still as good a diversifier, or are they still a good diversifier for a portfolio? Or um, you know, should the way that investors be thinking about commodities change to keep up with this? Commodities are still a solid diversifier to stocks. Um, I actually just looked at the rolling 30-day correlations over the past 10 years. And on average, they're zero. And currently, it's at negative 0.27. So that's the Bloomberg Commodity Index versus the S&P 500. And this is fundamentally true. Commodities are not equities and different things move these. But two of the most important areas of the sources of return are for inflation protection. And that's coming from the T-bill rate to give you your expected inflation plus real rate of return and also something called the expectational variance. That gives the unexpected general inflation protection plus the, um, you know, that's from the supply shocks essentially. So you get that and you get your risk premium and with the rebalancing and convenience yield, these five sources are highly uncorrelated to equity. So nothing has changed there. And it doesn't change based on whether investors are coming in or out of the market. Um, what I could argue has changed is the structure of commodities as new technologies have come in for um, production. So, for example, pre-fracking and post-fracking has changed the impact of the roll yield from the term structure of the curve because it changed the storage situation. So, you know, once upon a time we were in structural backwardation, that's when there's shortages, and now we're in a super contango, which comes from excess inventories. Mm -hmm. Now, before we move on, super contango is a term I've been seeing a lot lately. What is the difference between regular contango and super duper version of contango? I think just the magnitude of it. The, <laughs> the, the contango itself is just a term to describe the relationship between 
futures commodities contracts that are expiring at different times. So when the near contract is priced lower than the later dated contract, what that does is it reflects that the later dated contract is showing an oil spot price expected in the future plus all of the storage costs. So when you have these huge storage costs and massive storage capacity shortages, then you see this super contango. Mm So uh, before we we jump into whether we you know futures or equities, different ways to access commodities, I wanted to just follow up on your comment earlier, Jody, about you know things investors need to understand. You know, there's been so much anecdotal reporting of brokerage accounts just exploding with demand for things like futures-based oil ETFs like USO and, and others. And so just this phenomenon of the bargain hunting of, you know, trying to buy that bottom. And what do you wish investors who are just trying to jump into these, you know, once of a lifetime type of technical opportunities would really take into consideration about commodities investing before doing so? Do you think they need a a broader picture? Do you think it's okay to just jump in when the water is hot and jump out? I wish that investors would care more about where they're putting their money and take the time to learn about what they're investing in if they pull the trigger or at least work with a financial advisor who understands what's inside of the products because it's really important. And again, it's important to remember in commodities, the five components of return to the asset class. Again, that's the T-bill rate, the risk premium, the convenience yield, the expectational variance against supply shocks, and rebalancing. And this is basic for the diversification and inflation hedging commodities are known for. I wish that they would remember these. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. From your uh, from your lips to everybody's ears, hopefully. So let's say that I am, um, you know, I'm listening to you talk. I'm like, okay, this is just too much for me. I, all of these different sources of return, I can't deal with with this. So 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 maybe equities are the way for me to go in if I want to get commodities exposure. Um, what is what are your thoughts on that? Like you you sort of touched on it earlier when you said that futures are the more direct way to get commodities exposure. Um, is our commodities equities and commodities equities ETFs, are they still a valid way of filling out that bucket in your asset allocation? Yeah, so there's no question that futures are the more direct choice uh, between futures and equities. Um, I mean, futures contracts are priced directly from the physical market. Mm-hmm. However, equities are companies at the end of the day, and they do have high beta to stocks. So they give less diversification and inflation protection. Um, for example, the S&P 500 energy sector on average has an up capture ratio to oil of only 62 basis points for every 1% up in oil and down of only 58 basis points. And this is because companies hedge against oil volatility. Hmm. Um, Also the S&P 500 energy beta to the S&P 500 is 0.9 versus only 0.4 to oil. So you're really not getting the underlying commodity when you invest in equities. 
you're getting much more of the exposure to the stock market and what stocks are doing in general and, and all of that. Yes, uh, companies are making decisions for shareholder value that may or may not have anything to do with the underlying commodity price or price of oil. Mm -hmm. Very true. Now, what about um, something that's sort of like a mix in between, like an MLP structure? A lot of um, ETFs, there there are more and more uh, MLP ETFs out there. And for those of you who've never heard of the term MLP, that's a master limited partnership. It's uh, kind of like a, a toll road uh, sort of structure. Um, you know, think your oil pipelines or, uh, you know, anything that's, that's, uh, you know, generating revenue based on the amount of oil going through rather than on the price of oil itself. Uh, Jody, what are your thoughts on, on this as maybe an alternative to, uh, you know, investing in oil producer equities or, you know, the oil futures themselves? Yeah, I mean, it's a different play on oil and on, I'm going to say, income generation. It's not really used for the same diversification and inflation protection that commodities provide. Mm -hmm. And MLPs have had a lot of separate issues. Uh, the performance in the past many years has been poor. Uh, so we generally don't like to use MLPs as any kind of oil proxy. Perfect. Okay. Well, should we just finish up with a broader question? Um, Jody, put your, you know, investment strategist cap and, you know, outside of oil, what are some of the, the big stories or trends or, or things where you see opportunity that you think might be overlooked right now in the space? Well, in commodities, I would, without a doubt, look for spots of supply disruptions. And when I say supply disruptions or supply shocks, I mean in the producer area, uh, not so much on the demand side, uh, where you hear a lot of stories. For example, um, meat supply disruptions. I mean, those are great opportunities when supply chains get disrupted. The commodity spikes can be big, and that's what drives unexpected inflation. So we really like that, and they're usually undiversified to equities. So I would look for supply disruptions to select commodities, and I would also look for optimal spots on the curve to maximize your highest implied role yields. So I think that in this space, active management is really important. Fantastic. Well, though, I, I think that's, um, we're just going to have to leave it there uh, for now. Um, some great insights from you, Jody. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Thank you so much for having me. For more information on commodities, on this topic, on any topic dealing with ETFs or to catch up on previous episodes, please visit us at etf.com. Uh, and for more information on how to get involved in women in ETFs, uh, please visit www.womeninetfs.com. You can write to us with your questions, your comments, your feedback, uh, your thoughts at ETF Working Lunch. That's all one word at etf.com. On behalf of Cynthia Murphy, Jody Gunsberg, myself, and the rest of the etf.com team, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next episode.